another episode of Out of Character. I'm your host, Ryan Satin, and today I am here with someone who is, I'm going to say it, my favorite wrestler in Whoa. WWE right now. Oh, I am, my goodness. Give it up for Thank Sami Zayn, everyone. Thank you very much. I'm, thank you, guys. <laughs> I'm not blowing smoke when I say yeah, that either. Thank you. I you mean, really are my favorite wrestler in WWE right now. I was talking about it with someone else last night, and I was like, you know, if I really had to boil it down, it would be Sami Zayn because I just really feel like you're working on another level right now, and it's so entertaining to watch from a fan thank perspective. You. Thank you. Uh, I, I have said this in a few interviews, but I felt like the stuff I'm doing really the last year and a half since post-COVID and Thunderdome era on has been some of the best stuff I've ever done, certainly character-wise. Uh, I've just been having so much fun, and I don't want to. That that's going to sound extremely arrogant if I say it. But I'm operating on another level. But I'm trying. I'm trying to bring a different aspect to the character that we don't see in most wrestling characters. Um, and it's been a lot of fun. It's just been a lot of fun. And having acting people or people from the outside, as fo I've had so many interesting foils on the other side of me. So having Logan uh, during the whole documentary thing and then having even being opposite Vince McMahon in a, in a backstage or being opposite Brock Lesnar or being opposite Johnny Knoxville. It's such an eclectic cast of characters. Uh, it's just been so fun to reflect my character off them and have their interaction with my character. It's just, I'm having so much fun, man. It's so much fun. And I think that's partly why I'm such a big fan of yours right now is because you're able to step into any situation and make it entertaining, no matter if you're working with Brock Lesnar, if you're working with a Logan Paul, if you're working with anyone on the roster. And so it really is impressive to see from, from my perspective. Now, I usually start off each episode asking my guests this question, so I'm gonna get into that, but I had to, had to you know, put you over a little bit there. <laughs> Thank uh, you. How much of your real true self is there in your character right now? A lot. Uh, yeah, a lot. I, huge, yeah, I don't yeah. know. The way, so I think that's part of what, um, I think that's part of what resonates a little bit is that it doesn't feel like I'm putting on too much of a character, which is always what I think you go for. And when I first came to WWE and Dusty Rhodes, the late great Dusty Rhodes, may rest in peace. Dusty Rhodes. Dust, yeah. Um, one of the things that he, he loved about me, which is what I was afraid of, because Dusty Rhodes, one of the greatest talkers of all time, is your promo coach. Uh, and up until that point, even though I'd been wrestling a good 10, 11 years, talking wasn't my thing in my past life. So, uh, you know, I, I never had a problem growing up as a speaker. I'm a, I have a performer's personality naturally, which is why I think I gravitated to wrestling and entertainment and all that on my own. But um, when I first started talking and doing these promo classes, he loved it. And I thought I was being too, uh, I don't want to say subdued, but talking the way I'm talking to you now. And he's like, okay. no, that's how we cut promos now. It's so natural. You don't want to feel like you're screaming, you're cutting an 80s promo. Those days are done. This, this, is the, this is the real you, baby. That's what we want. And that's exactly it. So I think I've always, from the moment he said that, I locked in. I'm like, oh, people like that. He likes that? It just feels like a guy talking, okay. Uh, and I go out of my way, even if something is ever, it, it's pretty rare. I have a lot of um, input, let's say, mm -hmm. with what I, what I say and when I say it and all that stuff. I also feel like that thing you were talking about right there about the subdued kind of talking, 
really is a hard thing to kind of grasp. You know, I think a lot of times when you're on camera, you think you need to be as big and expressive as possible. I still do it. Because I still, especially now the character I'm doing, uh, who's, you know, kind of got this persecution complex, thinks everyone's against them all the time. Everything is everybody else's fault. Um, you know, so, but there's also this like laughing and he's fun loving and all this stuff. But to me, the way I see the character is that's almost like a facade for really this person who's at his core, a very petty and small person yep. deserves more and wants more. And, ah! and this is kind of a show and really there's a rage boiling underneath. So even I will get in the pattern of screaming. And a few weeks ago, I don't remember what it was. I thought I did a pretty good job with a, with a backstage interview. And then I saw Vince like, you're screaming at me. You're just screaming at me. I'm like, man, he's right though. You know, like you want to kind of say, well, no, I wasn't really screaming. But then you take a second, you Vince, think, I would I'm, be passionate. I'm like, yeah, 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 I am screaming, aren't I? Because we, we still revert sometimes to what we know. And we all grew up on, you know, 80s and 90s wrestling. Late 80s, early 90s, you watch some of those backstages, especially like, a, I don't know what, Survivor Series 89 or 91 or something. The, you listen to the words, it's absolute gibberish. <laughs> it's just big, crazy men screaming at you. And when you were young, you're like, oh my God, this is gonna rule. But if you actually listen to the words, it's just nothing. Nonsense. So sometimes I think there is the inclination to revert to just being angry. And I'm a bad guy, so I'm angry, so ah! But uh, that's not where I think my bread is buttered. But I do venture into those waters every now and again. I think it's easy also to, you know, revert to how you would be in real life too. And like a lot of times when you're angry, you're gonna yell and yeah, stuff. Yeah, but like yeah. the most evil people are usually not yelling. You know, they're doing something sneakier behind the scenes and keeping it more mellow. Yeah, so it's, yeah, yeah. It's tough to find that balance. Yeah. And you know, another thing Vince said, I don't wanna, you know, kick the Give door it all wide. Away yeah, here. kick the door wide open. But in that same talk, when he's like, you're yelling at me, and when you yell at me, I just check out, um, which I get. And he used, I don't know, maybe Baron Corbin or someone as an example. He's like, look at Baron Corbin. He used to be tough and talking and whatever and whatever. That's not what took him to the next level. It was being happy and laughing. That's just so obnoxious that you just, you want to punch him in the face. And I think he genuinely sees me as an obnoxious human being already. <laughs> really, I think he does. Um, so... So he's like, that's that's where your that's where your character is, that's where your heat is. That sounds a lot like when Sonya Deville was on the show, and she was telling me that his main note to her was to smile. Yeah. When she does something mean, just to smile through it right. because that that will make people even angrier. Yeah. And you know who's really good at it? Actually, is Charlotte. Charlotte, there's times when she smiles and she's evil. You're like, oh, you know. She's that was pretty like good last night on SmackDown where she was like talking about how she's cool and was repeating how cool she is over and over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just smiling through it as the fans were what chanting her. It was, it was great. She's yeah, really yeah. good at that. Yeah, yeah, There's, there's varying degrees and you don't want to be one dimensional. You want to be able to, you know, you want to have that range, but there's something to be said about what we're talking about for sure. So just from this conversation we've been having and from being a fan of yours, you strike me as a deep thinker. Would that be accurate to say? Ah, uh, I mean, maybe a, uh, a hair deeper then the surface is what I aspire to. Okay. You know, like I, I'm not Foucault or Chomsky or one, no. of these, one of these great intellectuals or whoever, uh, but I- But you think on a deeper level I about try to I try to look at things beneath, a step beneath the surface, at least. You I know? mean, I, I think it's really cool to see you do that. I mean, I think like when you're out in the back, I, I like hearing your perspective on things because I do feel like you think beneath the surface of everything. I think what it is, is uh, if you, 
start to deconstruct things, you start to see things one step beyond. And if you keep deconstructing, you know, then you don't know what you're looking at anymore. <laughs> and you could just make yourself crazy sometimes. But I'm a strong believer in uh, whether it's about our characters, whether it's about the art of the in-ring aspect, the promo aspect, any aspect of our craft, I believe in deconstructing it. Uh, and the same goes for life. Like we do these things and we just take it at face value and we do things never questioning why we're doing them. Who says this is the right thing to do? Like just those are the kind of questions I ask. Like, why do we do this? Is that says who? I dude, I why am I wearing clothes right now? Why are you what is any of this? If you even think about anything, anything for more than five seconds, you realize everything's just insane. Yes. It's all just made up, make-believe stories, and we're all just, what is this? What is any of this? What are we doing here? What are all of you doing here? I have no idea. They're here to watch you. So if you think about, yeah, what's that about? <laughs> I, yeah, well, thank you. You know, I just don't know. I don't know. When you think about anything for even more than a few seconds and just ask yourself on any subject, hey, what's that about? You start to go down the rabbit hole a little bit, open Pandora's box, so to speak. And I don't know, that's interesting to me. And I think when you do that, uh, you know, bringing it back to wrestling and bringing it back to what we do, when you start to deconstruct some of this stuff, now you're able to reconstruct in a more creative way. You can build something up in a different way because you're not following the blueprint that's been laid out for you. You're deconstructing the blueprint. You're going, okay, well, elements of that work, but why do we all do it this way? Why don't I do it this way? And now you're onto something new. This is exactly why you why you did so well during the pandemic and had such a huge upswing in your character because there was no blueprint anymore. It was like a wide open slate and you yeah. were able to just do whatever you wanted that you saw fit in that era, I feel like. I love the Thunderdome era. It's an unpopular opinion, <laughs> I know. Uh, especially because I love the fans. And I'm not gonna say that all the time, but I do. I really have a deep love for all of you. Really. Yeah. Uh, very profound, really, really, it means so much to me. And I know how lucky we are to, to all be sharing this time together. It's a miracle we're all here, it really is. Um, so I don't take that lightly. However, <laughs> not having you guys there during the Thunderdome opened, opened the door for some uh, new creative ways to do things, which I personally, in my opinion, I don't think we as a company took full advantage of because we still tried to present the show as if fans were there, but they weren't there, especially before the Thunderdome when it was the empty PC. Yep. That's why some of it felt so weird. Yep. And part of the reason why I'm such a fan of my match with Daniel Bryan, I know it's not exactly what you expect and you see on paper, Sami Zayn versus Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania Intercontinental Championship, you're expecting one thing. I know it wasn't that, and I would have loved to have had that, but the thing that I'm so proud about that match is, is when you watch that match back, it never feels weird that it's in an empty arena. Never. Nope. And if you watch the rest of WrestleMania, a lot of matches feel really weird that it's in an empty arena. Yep. So that's, again, part of the, um, my opinion, missed opportunity to present the show in a slightly different way, in a different context. Now that the biggest piece of the set, which is the fans, the most interactive, the most unique part of our show aren't there, it really could have put us in a position to change the way we present the product. I personally don't think we took full advantage of it, but it, for me and my character, I think it gave me room to do more things. In saying all that, I do still wonder in the back of my head, because I loved the stuff I was doing then with the documentary, 
I really wonder how the fans would have reacted to it if there were fans at the time. I wonder that too. I really wonder if they would have cheered some of it, if they would have turned me a little bit. You know, even that thing I did where I handcuffed myself to the barricade and I was there all night with my protest. Which was hilarious. Yeah, how would that have been if fans were actually there, you know? They probably would have been cheering you more. Maybe, maybe. I really don't know. So that's the one thing I'll always wonder about the Thunderdome era. But overall, I have a particular fondness for the Thunderdome area. Not to say I don't love you guys, I do. <laughs> I really do. Thank you. I do think that- I'm uh, happy you're here, I really am. Similar to you, Brian, you know, is another person who doesn't need a blueprint and strives in a time when there isn't a blueprint. He can just be creative. And I think that is why your guys' match stood out so yeah, much. Yeah, well, we talked about that. And he was all about, we need to change the presentation a little bit here. This, this could be an opportunity. So we had this exact talk, actually. That's dope. Yeah. So you recently re-signed with WWE, and you kind of mentioned a little before how you have some, uh, how you can kind of be involved in the creative aspect of your character now. Um, that must be nice for you to feel so creatively fulfilled right now. Well, let me, uh, let me just nip this in the bud. I don't want to act like I'm booking my own stuff because I'm no, not. No, yeah, but to have an involvement. Input, input, input. Yes. input. Um, and for the creative uh, team and whoever to be receptive to my ideas. And I don't get all, trust me, I swing a lot. <laughs> I, and they'll tell you. <laughs> if you ever have them in one of these chairs, which would be very interesting. They'd never let that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I swing a lot. And I don't think I swing a lot of duds, but sometimes I, I swing ideas that there's reasons why I don't know why they won't work. And sometimes they tell me that won't work because of X, Y, Z. But a lot of things they'll take and okay, it's not exactly how I envisioned it, but pieces of it get through, like the documentary, for example, and they take on a life of their own. So uh, yeah, for sure, having even a little bit of creative input, I think that's really what's taken my, my appreciation and my uh, enjoyment of being here in WWE to, an to another level is I'll say, hey, I really wish we could kind of do this. And then some version of it happens. And I'm thrilled. I'm over the moon. What more could you ask for? Yeah, totally. You know, what more? That's it. Uh, I mean, that's you know, the collaboration process. It's great, you know? Yeah, yeah. To just feel like you have a voice and you're feeling heard. And then when you actually go out there and do it, you feel respected and valued. That's really what kept me here. You know, uh, there are other factors for sure, but that was really it. It wasn't, oh, all of a sudden my contract's coming up and it's time to negotiation. And hey, hey, we really like you. Well, where have you been the last two years? No, no, the last two years, they've showed me that they, they value me. Yep. So when they told me they wanted me to stay, I believed them. Yep. So I stayed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, give it up yeah, to Sammy Stan, yeah. right? We're all happy Sammy yes. Stan, right? I'm, I'm really happy to be here. I don't know if I've mentioned that, but I, I'm feeling so good right now. Maybe it's the coffee a little bit, <laughs> but I'm just so happy to be in this room with all these people. Uh, because look, you saw what happened to Big E. This, this stuff, man, it's so delicate. And we're, we're one gust of wind away from not being in the same room with each other. So anytime we're in the same room with each other, I just really, I don't know, man, that's how I try to approach wrestling, how I try to approach life is, it sounds so cheesy to say it out loud, but every moment is a gift. Every breath is a gift, man. I and like, it won't be here much longer. And that Hall of Fame last night, I don't know about you guys, I welled up like five or six times. Oh, I was in full tears for yeah. the Chad Gaspard stuff. And it, Undertaker, I was like, oh. All of them, all like four four out of the five, I was like weeping. Uh, and it's because I I know firsthand what that's gonna feel like. Because even I even heard Undertaker say this in a different interview where he said something like, my mind, I still have the visions of what I wanna do, how I wanna do it, I still see it. 
but you come to a point where my body just won't let me do it anymore. And that's like, I don't know, man. You know, I'm still kind of younger, but I think on a certain level, we all come face to face with our own mortality. And that's the closest I come to my own mortality is realizing I can't do this forever. And one day you're gonna be too old to do this. And then the next step is, you know, you're old and then one day you're just not here anymore. And when I think about it like that, I'm like, wait, I really like being here. I love it here. <laughs> yeah. You're saying I have to leave? I don't want to no, leave. I don't wanna go. Can, we, can we just keep doing this? This party rules. I just wanna, yeah, I want to <laughs> play with my friends. I want my, all the guests are here. We're having a good time. Don't take this away. <laughs> and then you watch these guys at the Hall of Fame and they live this too. And then it's over. And it's just so inherently sad to me. But that's life. Life is beautiful, but it's so inherently sad. Yeah. Uh, not to bring you people down. <laughs> All this to say, these are why we need to appreciate these moments together. And the pandemic, I think, was a good eye-opener for that. Uh, and now having everybody back here, this is that's why I think I'm so high and so on love, in love with everybody and in love with being here. Yeah, oh, feel I, great, man. I completely understand, and I, I I agree with everything you were saying. Like yeah. my brother, when he passed away, he was in his 30s, you know. Jeez, man. And like, I'm sorry. He was like, I mean, thankfully, like my brother did a lot. You know, he was a cinematographer for snowboarding videos and made a bunch of snowboarding videos for big companies and worked. You know, got to film pro wrestling and stuff. But he, he lived while he was here. He lived while he was yeah. here, very much. Which is and, as much as you can ask, as, right? Exactly. But I mean, ah. you learn in a situation like that, you know, that like time is time has a has an ending, you know, yeah. like in your life. So it sucks. Yeah. But it's also on the flip side of that, it's what makes this so precious and so beautiful too, you know? Yep. yep. So I don't know. This this took a strange left turn here, guys. Sorry. <laughs> you, I knew he was a deep thinker. I told you guys he was a deep I knew it. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about wrestling and well, do you now think we're it's talking about our own mortality? I apologize. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. Yeah. That's the kind of conversations I like to have, so it's it's totally understandable. Cool. Uh, do you think it's important though, because you were talking about how much you pitch backstage, how much you're trying to have input and stuff. Yeah. Do you think it's important for talent to do that? Because you hear a lot of the old generation of wrestlers say that, but then a lot of times you hear current day say it's not as easy to do that as it was for them. That's what I'm saying. That was a big game changer. Um, and that's trust that's earned. Because a lot of people, and I've been guilty of this, their pitch is, yeah, so I win and I become champion, <laughs> you know? Okay, you know who else is pitching that? Everybody else. So. <laughs> Uh, and there are times I've pitched versions of that, but I'm like, but hear me out, here's why. It's not for me, it's for, you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, all this to say, I did pitch stuff, I pitched less earlier. But that's also when you have the comfort of knowing you're a guy that they're always gonna feature. And I've been on both sides. I've been pretty prominently featured, I'd say, since I came up to the main roster. But a lot of times, it's happened once or twice where I was just sitting on the sidelines, and that was the real, those are the only times where I was really unhappy here and it would only last maybe two or three weeks, but nothing is worse than feeling un, you know, unappreciated or unvalued. And the, the company, it's not, they're not outwardly trying to spite you and say like, we don't care about you, go sit and catering. They're not saying that. There's just so much talent and there's so much television time and sometimes the dominoes stack a certain way and you're just on the sidelines. It happens to almost everybody. Almost everybody has that at one point or another. So when you're the guy who's fighting for inches and to just try to get on the show and just try to keep that, there's this desperation and it's not fun. But now where I'm at the point where I know they're gonna put me on the show. I know I can breathe easier and I can enjoy what I'm doing. And even if I'm doing something that it's not exactly what I dreamed of, but you know what? I'm on the show for 10 minutes tonight and I could make it as good as humanly possible. I'll take that. 
as long as I'm featured and I feel like I'm part of the team and I'm helping, that's what I'm here for. Yep. You yep. know? Totally. So, uh, I'm sorry, what was the question? Oh, you think it's important <laughs> for people to be to, yeah. to trying to do that? Yeah, but I, I'm going to say that and I'm going to say it's not the same. It's so circumstantial. Yeah. It's not the same for everybody. The WWE experience, it, there's no two people who have the same. I'm telling you, all the people who've come here over the years, no two people have the same experience. Everybody has a very unique uh, curve. Everybody has their own ups and downs. Yep. Everybody has a different experience. Roman's WWE experience is very different from Sami Zayn's. Sami Zayn's is very different from Sasha Banks or from Kevin Owens or AJ Styles. Or Sa- Everyone's got it different. So when you say these things, I don't think, once again, this is bigger than just wrestling, it's life. You can't use these blanket statements and say, well, you should be pitching. You don't know, you like, you don't, you just don't know. It's worked for me, but there's also times it didn't work for me. It's touch and go. Yep. There's no formula to success for this. I think also, you know, you've gotten to a stage in your career, I mean, 20 year anniversary, you recently yeah. had your time in the ring. And a lot of times you hear legends or people in any industry say, Oh, it took me 20 years, it took me 15 years before I got really good and really like locked into what this business is all about. And you go like, that's crazy. It doesn't take you that long. But then when you're an adult and you're 15 years sure. into your career, you go, oh, okay, well, I guess that does make sense because now I finally get it. Yeah. And I feel like that's where you're at, kind of. I've had different moments. I don't think there is ever, I, 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 once again, take wrestling out the window and just a life. There is never a moment in your life where you're like, ah, now I got it. <laughs> never. <laughs> When you're 30, you're gonna look back at yourself when you were 17 and go, man, I was so dumb. And when you're 17, you're thinking when you were 12, you're like, I was just a kid. There's never a point in your life where you have it all figured out. I believe the same is true about wrestling. So I do think there's like, at the 10 year mark is where I started to feel like, oh, I really get it. 10 or maybe a little less, nine, where I was like, oh, now I'm really firing on all cylinders. But then I also had a moment where I watched some video online of my work five years in, and I was like, damn, I, I was I was only five years in? This is great, <laughs> you know? I mean, so I was better at certain things then, and I'm better at certain things now. And you talk about the character development, I'm, I'm, I'm operating on a higher level character-wise than I've ever been, and now we're on the 20 year mark. But, you know, I was operating at a different level athletically, or I had different, I don't know. I've been pretty good for a long time. (laughs) Well, that is true. There's that little ego. (laughs) He's always in there. But all this to say, um, I think it's just different stages. You have different aha moments, different light bulbs going off. But I don't think you ever have it figured out completely, completely. And that's the thing about you fans is... uh, (laughs) You guys change a lot and you change literally overnight from town to town. So if we go to one town, and this has happened by the way, I had a match in Bowling Green, Kentucky with Kevin on a live event on a house show. One of our best matches ever. The crowd, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. (laughs) The crowd was so good. Every little thing we did, they reacted like how you picture it in your head. They were doing it times 10. They were so good. One, two, three, they were standing, they were, they were dancing. It wasn't even wrestling cheers, they were partying. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. It was a party. We rocked it, we came back, we rocked it, we were thrilled. Tomorrow, man, we gotta do something like that. 
Apples and oranges, man. <laughs> same thing, same kind of premise, same two guys, same storyline, same everything. Different crowd, different people, different night, different town. Oh, back to the drawing board, I guess. That's crazy. So you never have it figured out, and it's because these fans are different all the time. So you'll never be able to say, I guarantee this will work. Never. Never. And that's why people are still nervous. People have been doing this 20 years. We're about to wrestle at WrestleMania tonight, tomorrow. Everyone's nervous because they don't know for sure how you guys are going to act. <laughs> you terrify us. We love you, but you keep us on our toes. And that's the thing. That's why you'll never have it figured out completely, yeah. which is, again, beautiful. It reminds me of that Bo Burnham make happy uh, thing when he did the Kanye rant. And he's talking about how the audience, how he loves them, but he also fears them and he like needs them, but he wants to say what he wants to say. And it's you a very complex thing. You want to be able to control them. Yes. But you really don't. It's like the uh, timeless dance of seduction. You know, <laughs> like you want the chase. You want to chase, but you don't want it too easy, but you don't want it too hard. And it's all this delicate, delicate nuance. Like we want to be able to pull the strings but we don't want it to be too easy. And we like to be told no sometimes. Yep. We like to have to re you know, it's weird, man. It's weird. It's kind of like how some people are attracted to the person who doesn't want them. Yeah. You know, it's like, you want to like yeah, make yeah. them, you want to make them want well, you. Well, I, I don't want to go that far. I want these people to want me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I want them to like me. I want them to have fun. Uh, actually, I want them to dislike me, but you know what I mean? I want them to be on board and I don't want to have to pull their teeth to get them on the ride. But boy, let me tell you, when you do, it's a very rewarding feeling as a professional. Like you guys didn't even want to have fun, but I made you have fun, <laughs> huh? You like that? Yeah, I'm out of here. <laughs> that makes you feel real good as a pro sometimes. When you have a crowd that's a little subdued or a little shy and you get them, woo, that makes you feel good. What do you enjoy most about working with celebrity guests like Logan Paul or Johnny Knoxville? Um, a lot, there's a lot. So this is, you know, I go back a minute ago, I said something about having a light bulb moment about nine or 10 years into the business. And I actually remember distinctly what it was. It was, I went to Sweden and I was gonna wrestle in Sweden and they asked me to do a seminar. So the day before I, I said, can you show me, you know, I like to live life back then, especially uh, single and unattached and so, if I'm going to a new country that I've never been to, like Sweden, hey, bring me in three, four days early. I wanna, you know, I wanna yep. get in Sweden. Yeah, I, wanna, yeah. I wanna take me to the things, show me the cultural landmarks, show me everything. So a day before I go, hey, can you show me some of the, the product? Show me your wrestler so I know what, I, what to do in my seminar. And to my utter astonishment, their crowds were red, red, red hot, white hot. <laughs> insane, insane crowds. It was like underground. They would wrestle in a garage, 400 drunken Swedes partying. It was like a rave. That's awesome. More than a wrestling show. But the wrestling was beyond atrocious. <laughs> and here's what I realized. There was no scene in Sweden. There was no training. It was just, here were a bunch of guys who loved wrestling and they just started, you know, built a ring and started a wrestling company. It was like the most basic things. I'm talking about, this guy's supposed to be a bad guy, but he's high-fiving the fans on the way to the ring. <laughs> so you're talking about the most basic things of like, whoa, what am I, oh my God, what are, you, what are you doing? So it made me have to break down the business to its most basic, fundamental, I don't even want to call them rules, but parameters. Let's talk about a good guy. 
what's a good guy? What's a bad guy? So when you have to articulate that, you re-educate yourself because we get on the hamster wheel ourselves, especially on the independence of doing that independent, you know, ring of honor, whatever style. We start viewing the business in this one way, catering to one kind of fan. And then I had to take a step back and look at the business from the ground up. I'm like, what is a good guy? What is a bad guy? What are we even doing in this ring? What is the point of getting in this ring? What are we trying to get out of them? We're trying to make them feel things. We're trying to take them on a ride. So I re-educated myself and all these light bulbs start going off for me. And I'm also, again, the ego is like, damn, I know a lot. <laughs> I'm You're a professor good. of I'm wrestling, good. yeah. And to circle back around to your question with Logan and uh, Knoxville and all this, one of those things that I kind of, the ego enjoys is like, damn, I know a lot. <laughs> and I only realize how much I know when I have to explain it to someone who knows zero. Yep. Right? But not only that, they're great performers in their own right. Um, so I like bouncing off, especially Knoxville, because he's so creative. Some of the stuff we've done, what I've really loved about it is um, building a story to a WrestleMania match in a way that you couldn't do with any WWE superstar. You know, like there's no other WWE superstar on the roster where the way we're going to build our WrestleMania match is I'm going to go to a movie premiere <laughs> or he's going to fly my phone number. Stop calling, by the way. <laughs> Seriously, stop calling. He's going to fly my phone number over Los Angeles and put it on the Internet. And now every one of these fans can just Google my phone number and it's there. And really, again, you don't have to use it. <laughs> you don't have to use it. Don't wave at me like you've called a few. I could tell you've called a few times. Uh, but you know, that's, that's so out of the box that that's the kind of creative stuff that I get such a kick out of. So that's been extremely enjoyable for me. I don't like Knoxville. I'm going to punish him. I'm going to destroy him at WrestleMania. I can't wait, but that aspect has been fun. That explains why you've done such a great job of furthering things on social media, because like legit, like when you were at the premiere, I was like refreshing my Instagram to see when you were gonna post something else. Like yeah, yeah. when you post like the video where you're like hiding in the back. Like I've been, I was <laughs> laughing so hard at Thanks. all of those videos. And even when you were out here and you were talking to random people on the street, it was like that extra effort though. We don't do that. Exactly. We don't normally do that. Exactly. Yeah. And I, honestly, I wish that more people, more superstars, and I'm not putting anyone down. No, 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 no. Because they already do so much, but I do wish that more thought on that level as you, because yeah. like, I do think that like, you really have taken a, a feud with Johnny Knoxville that could have been whatever yeah. and really made it one of the like matches that people are looking forward to this weekend. I hope so. I hope people are looking forward to it. I, I again, thank you. you. I hope you are. It? Yeah. I'm, I, it's going to, it's going to be something. I promise you that much. It's going to be something and you'll remember it, uh, for sure. But again, the way I was talking about earlier about you guys keeping us on our toes and I think I know you guys, but you guys surprise me every now and again. You know, so I'm a little worried. I'm a little nervous for sure. Um, and you know, Knoxville's not, he's not an athlete. He's not a fighter. He's not, a, so we'll see how it goes, but uh, I'm optimistic. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, he's more used to getting beat up than fighting. Yeah, yeah, which is <laughs> great for me. Yeah. Uh, but um, I'm sorry, I got away from a point that I was trying to make. Oh yeah. so. The stuff on social media, I already am weird about social media and how I use it, but I got put in a position to use it like that because I'm working with Knoxville. Um, and I really enjoy it. And it's given me all these ideas for more out of the box things that 
that I want to do. And, you know, we talk about Andy Kaufman a lot um, as this great outside the box guy who blurred the lines of reality and getting to do the movie premiere and stuff like that. I, I got my little do dose of it. And I got real high off it. So I'm like, I, I want to do more stuff like that. I really do. And the funny thing about the movie premiere was I was the wrestler and Andy Kaufman. Yes, yes. You know what I mean? I was both, <laughs> which is so funny and so weird. But anyways, all this to say, this is what's taken the character to another level is um, that commitment and that trying to blur the line or trying to use social media in clever ways or whatever. That's, I think, what's done it for me, I think. Well, and I think that, you know, in an era where kayfabe isn't the same as it used to be, I think you done a good job of like almost rebottling it by, yeah. by, by by doing things like that. Working on it, yeah. working on it, but yeah, you can't do it. Uh, you can't quite do it in the old way, but you know, uh, here's the thing that's the big takeaway, doing the red carpet thing and all those people having no idea what was going on. There's the question that you still get asked after all these years and all as far as the curtain's been pulled back, people are still like, Wait, is this real? Yeah, of course it is. What is, the, what is going on? Do they actually, what is going on right now? Yeah. You know what I mean? And I love that. I love that. Another thing I've said in some interviews about this particular match, Johnny Knoxville and myself, one of the beautiful things that's, it's this pure, delicate thing to me, is you guys don't really know what to expect. <laughs> and that's so rare. That's so rare to get in this day and age where you have no idea, like we always don't really know who's gonna win. Brock and Roman, we know what Roman brings to the table, we know what Brock brings to the table. The big question is, who's gonna win? How's this? But you kind of have an idea of what to expect when these two guys get in the ring. Yep. We're in a very unique position where people have no idea what this match is gonna look like. It could be one minute, it could be 20 minutes, it could have a bunch of weapons, it could have, pro it, could, it could be anything. It could be anything and you have no idea and right now I kind of have no idea either, <laughs> but it's a beautiful thing to not know. And I think that's what we all crave is going back to the days where we didn't know for sure. And that's what I'm getting so high off this whole thing with Knoxville is we're blurring the lines on social media and we're blurring the lines of doing these things outside the parameters of a normal, of a wrestling show and a wrestling ring. We're blurring some lines, we're knocking down some barriers. And now even with the match itself, you don't know what to expect. So I think that's what, I'm hoping the fans are excited about because they don't know what to expect. I, I that's wrote, what's been refreshing for me. I wrote my uh, prediction article last night, and that's that's kind of how I phrase it. It's like, well, if it's this kind of match, I think it's going to go this way. Right. If it's this kind of match, I think it's going to go this way. But I have no idea what kind of match it's going to be, so it's hard to say. Right, right, right. And that is the fun of it. That is the fun of it. Absolutely. I think, once again, going back to the like life and seduction and the dance and all this kind of stuff, it's like we kind of don't want things to be too easy. We don't want to know. Wrestling's at its worst when you can see what's coming next a mile away. Yep. And anytime I see fans complaining, they're kind of right because they can call it. And they don't want to be able to call yep. it. They don't want to go, okay, now you're going to do this. Next week he'll do this. Pay-per-view they'll do this. I know. Who, who wants that? Yep. No one. Yep. That's when we're at our worst. When we're at our best is when you don't know and you know, like the Royal Rumble is such a great example because you guys don't know who's coming out next. So you guys are, so, that's why people love the Rumble. Yep. 10, 9, 8, who's it gonna be? Oh, 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 I did, oh my God, oh, okay. You got me. You wanna be got. Yep. You wanna be got and I wanna get you. So let's <laughs> do this. All right, well, two last things. Uh, I wanna know, 
on the Johnny Knoxville topic, did you watch Jackass growing up? No. No? No. So, I'm actually, look, I could talk terrible about Knoxville all day, and if you had more time, I would. But I will point the finger at myself here because I will admit to being uh, narrow-minded and missing the point. And it's ironic. The reason I say this is because it's ironic because of how much I love wrestling. Yeah. So I thought Jackass was just a bunch of guys getting hurt. And I don't like, this is where me and Kevin are op we're opposites in many ways. This is one where we're very opposite. He loves watching videos of people eating it, getting hurt. <laughs> and he just loves it. And I don't, I'm like, oh God, oh, 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 don't show me that. I don't like watching people get hurt. And I thought Jackass, just people getting hurt. I, I, I don't want to watch it. And I totally missed the point of what the appeal of Jackass watch, which was, it's about the buddies and the love and the laughs and the, I'll get you, but you get me next. And we both laugh about it. And it's just fun. It's yes. fun. And I didn't get it. I never gave it the fair chance. Uh, so I did watch Jackass Forever Now. And I've watched some old Jackass stuff because I'm scouting my opponent. Smart. Yeah. Smart. Um, and I was like, oh, man, I totally missed the point. And uh, I, you know, the finger I, po I pointed at myself and I'm, I'll admit I was wrong about it. I yeah, was it totally was, wrong. It about was weird it. to see Jackass Forever, and they're like a lot older, so you get worried they're gonna hurt themselves. But you're like, not. Nah, it's still part of that like friend they're thing. Still, yes. It's like that's their thing. That's the appeal. Yes. That's the real appeal. Yes. Yes, and that's why even in the logo, which I have now co-opted for myself, the Sami Zayn Forever logo, the Jackass Forever logo, it's got the little heart there because that's really what it's about. Yep. And I get it now. Yep. But I'm older and smarter and a deeper thinker now. <laughs> than I was when I was 18 or 19. I bought the Sami Zayn Forever shirt, but I didn't know if, I, if it would be sucking up too much to wear it during yeah, the interview, yeah, no. so I, I didn't, I didn't right. do it. That's all right, I appreciate they that. They told anyway. me they can't find it now over there, though, so it might be sold out now, so. Yeah. Well, they probably stocked like five of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, I, uh, I like to end every episode with a segment I call The Finishing Move, where I talk to my guests about their finishing moves. Uh, I already did this with you once before it was in a, before I had this podcast when I first was testing this out, so I got a, Switch it up a little bit, so I'm gonna change my questioning a little here. Okay. Uh, what's your least favorite finishing move to take? Oh gosh, I don't know. Uh, the pop, the pop-up power bomb when Kevin Owens was doing that was not fun. No. 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 Like I've had a few, you know, like anybody else who's been wrestling 20 years, I've dinged my head a few times, and that one would kind of rock me every time. And you know, we've been married to each other on the road for yeah. a minute. We were wrestling each other every night for months. And those nights when he was winning, oof, that pop-up <laughs> powerbomb, it was not fun. That's just the first one that jumps to my mind. No, so I was actually thrilled when the stunner came back. <laughs> when he got the stunner, I was like, okay. Much easier. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that pop-up powerbomb would rock me. Uh, if you could steal a famous finishing move from a legend and make it your own, which would you choose? I mean... Maybe Sharpshooter is the first that comes to mind just because I love Brett so much. Brett Hart, give it Brett up. Brett Hart, yeah. The man. Underrated, by the way. Hot take. Hot I was going to say. <laughs> Brett Hart, underrated. Underrated. Yeah, when we really talk about Brett Hart, we're like, oh, of course, he was the best. But he's not, for some reason, when people talk about the best, he's not like the first name that shoots up, and he really should be. People talk about, like, you know, Flair and Undertaker and Sean and all these other people. And they're like, oh, yeah, and, and also Brett. Brett is top of the list to me, man. Is he number one for you? Uh, I think so. Like, as a craftsman. Yeah. As a craftsman. You know, like, I think Sean had, like, again, just like, like, I'm not better than you. I'm not, I'm not objectively better than you. 
everything's subjective. Yep. Right? But there are a lot of things that Brett, when it came to the craft, I think no one is better than Brett. You know, Flair cut a, a hell of a promo. Dusty cut a hell of a promo. Sean was good at different things. I, I don't know. When it came to the craft, I think Brett's the man. Brett's an absolute man. And I just think he's, uh, like, as crazy as it is to say, I think he's underrated. That's crazy. Yes. I, that's definitely going to be the quote yeah. from this interview, probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but now we're talking of existentialism. And, and the big takeaway here is really Brett was underrated. <laughs> yeah. But you're from Canada, so you kind of yeah. have to say that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that what, was a part of it. <laughs> what's the most memorable time you've ever taken someone else's finishing move? Uh, taking those RKOs on house shows is a lot of fun because the crowd loves the RKO. Uh, uh, but I think tapping out to Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 34, was it? His return match. Uh, I you know, I was happy to I was happy to be in the ring. I was not happy being tied up like a pretzel and having my shoulder pulled. But when I tapped and the people, I wanted to be there right right there in that moment. That's what I wanted to be. Feel all that. Yeah, energy. yeah. And it was great to feel it. Well, Sammy, I really appreciate you doing this yeah, thing. Give thanks. it up for Sammy Zay. Thank you, guys. Thank Can't you wait to see your match around. this weekend. All right, that's it. I'm done. Officially tapping out for now. Until next time, I'm Ryan Satin, and this is Out of Character.